Hello again. It is the Vandy Sports Podcast. Joined by Billy, Derek, Joey Dwyer. We're going to mostly talk baseball today. Billy has a, a busy schedule to keep. He keeps keeps elite company and, and just he, he found 30 <laughs> minutes in his day to join us. So we're going to make this happen in about 30 minutes. He's got to go. Before that, we remind you, who is the presenting sponsor of this podcast, Bill? Bill, I like it. Anchor Bill. Impact. You got Bill and Joe. <laughs> Bill and Joe. Get closer to Vanderbilt Athletics than ever before with Anchor Impact. They are the official NIL collective for Vanderbilt University. As an Anchor Impact member, you gain exclusive privileges and benefits offering deeper engagement with student athletes, coaches, staff, and the entire Vanderbilt community. You also become a catalyst for change, redefining the landscape of college athletics and showcasing the potential impact of NIL on student athletes' lives. Help the Commodores thrive and contribute now by logging on to anchorimpact.com slash register. All right, basketball season presented by the Wash House. We're not going to talk much about that today. Are you dreading laundry day? Is it time to do the things you truly enjoy? I'm dreading basketball, laundry... Chris. What's that? I'm dreading basketball, not laundry. Uh, well, we're <laughs> no comment. Let the laundry <laughs> professionals at the Wash House take care of that for you with two convenient locations in the greater Nashville area. You can drop off your dirty laundry. Our professional attendants can give you back the one thing you can never have enough of your time. Within 24 hours, you can pack up your nicely folded, fresh, and clean laundry, ready to be put away. Check them out at washhouseclean.com. Stop in today. Get your time back. Steve Andrews owns that business. Good friend of mine. Big Vandy fan. Good man. We appreciate his support of this podcast. Baseball season. Thank God it is baseball season. Glorious mm. baseball season. As presented by the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Studio, which is a family-owned, third-generation milk and ice cream company. Located in Murfreesboro Distribution Company, located in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, a partnership that began 50 years ago with Purity Dairy in Nashville to provide purity milk and ice cream to consumers in Middle Tennessee. Now they serve Southern Kentucky, Northern Alabama, Chattanooga, North Georgia. Today they supply grocery stores, convenience stores, and others with purity products, as well as Mayfield, Nestle, Hagen Dazs ice cream. For more information, visit their website at NPMCI. All right, gentlemen, before we get to the mailbag, we all saw a good bit of the opening series. I saw everything but the ninth inning on Sunday. I was watching that one from TV. Was in the hawk for the other two. Impressions on what you saw will go Billy, Joey, then me. Yeah, Friday night was was wild. I mean, you know, I, I don't know that you would have expected Vanderbilt to beat FAU in game one, 12 to 11, with a Jonathan Vastine lazy pop-up to left field, but that's what happened. I mean, that's what happens a lot of times on opening day. You just you just kind of got to get it done, you know, however you can, even in, even at the pro level. You know, you're just not you – know, there's a lot of games, Chris. I mean, we got almost 60 games in this season. And, um, you know, every year, you know, opening day, it's what in the world's wrong with our pitching? You know, why can't we hit? Where's the approach? Well, the good news is it's opening weekend. And you played a pretty good team. I think a lot of people forget about that. Chris, I think you mentioned on the board they hit about 20 doubles down the – third base line i mean just, like they were they were hitting the baseball um and i think you know yeah. corbin talked about it that's a good hitting team they had to earn that um and they did they i think if they would have lost friday they might have lost the series um again hindsight's 2020 we don't know uh but i do think fau played well uh, and then sunday you just i think you saw fau kind of run out of pitching a little bit they had some guy yeah. their first guy i thought started well on sunday was kind of banged up and 
I guess he had to he had to exit early is what we heard on the broadcast. So I think Vanderbilt kind of lucked out with that, but they did hit the ball. Um, the pitching Friday was not great. Carter struggled with control, uh, as we saw. Uh, but Carter Holton, I thought for the most part was good. He had some, um, you know, some strings of hits there with like three or four grounders that just kind of found, found the outfield. Um, and, you know, I, so I think, and he had five strikeouts, you know, Futrell shined Futrell. I think you could argue is one of the more consistent pitchers, um, at Vanderbilt. Just, you do, you never really have a meltdown from him. You know, it doesn't yeah. really ever get, you know, he just kind of goes, he's consistent. It was a classic Futrell performance. So, uh, Chris, it was almost kind of, I think, what we expected, um, you know, for the most part. I thought FAU had a chance to take one of them, and they did. And, um, you know, Joey, that Sunday game we were at, I thought early on, it was like, oh, what kind of game? We're going to get a two-to-one game here. And then Vandy kind of broke out um, there, I think, either in the fourth or the fifth, and they just kept stringing hits together. Vastine and uh, Hewitt's base running, I thought, were huge there. Hewitt stealing home. Uh, so, yeah, you know, Kind of a uh, a microcosm of what the season might be this year, where you're going to pitch well. Defense was a little spotty at times. I think the defense is going to get better. Um, you know, you didn't see a ton of bunts, but you know, through the base pass, you saw some guys moving around, Joey. And I think to me, that was a big thing. This team's athletic, um, and they can really move. And Corbin, I think, is just finding ways to get those guys on base. Right? He, he talked about that. He said we got to get RJ and Calvin and those guys on base so that they can move. But yeah, honestly. Pretty up to par of, of what I what I expected overall. Yeah, I think they had a better feel for FAU as the series went on. Offensively, on Sunday, I felt like they kind of picked up on what FAU was doing with their off-speed. And we talked to Hewitt and Davis in the presser, and they both kind of echoed that the off-speed kind of gave them trouble early, but as they kind of figured it out, they started to hit the ball a little better and put together better at-bats. Corbin even said like he didn't think from the second inning on, on Friday through all of Saturday that they put together good at-bats, and he thought they finally – kind of loosened up on Sunday. So, again, kind of a veteran team, being a veteran team and figuring it out as the weekend goes. Overall, I would say the lineup was a little bit better than I thought. Jonathan Bastine was really good on the weekend. RJ Austin was good. Jaden Davis, again, put together better at-bats than I had seen him uh, in the spring and the fall. So, solid outing for their offense. Uh, Average nine runs a game this weekend, which I don't think you can ever really complain about. Obviously, Saturday was kind of the outlier there, but a 12- and 11-run performance in a weekend uh, you can live with the pitching. I think, I, I think was slightly worse than I had thought. Futrell was really good. I thought Cunningham was solid. Um, Dukanich and McIlvain on Saturday were good. Uh, Sawyer Hawks, I think impressed us a little bit, but obviously didn't have a great outing himself. So I think, I think there's potential there with that pitching staff, but we just haven't seen it all come together there. And I think yeah. we've kind of figured out that Corbin's probably going to have to put to push a little more buttons than, we had thought maybe he doesn't have as much margin for error to make a wrong pitching decision as we had thought. I think Horn maybe gets to start tonight, but you probably have to get your personnel almost completely right with, with that pitching staff at this point, uh, because I don't know, I don't know if they're all going to have kind of the outings we would expect. Carter's control, I think is something that I'm looking for this weekend. Yeah. I'll go a little different direction. I'm not worried at all about their pitching. Now, I don't know what it looks like exactly, but if you're just looking at the box scores and asking, okay, what happened on Friday? Well, number one, you got Grayson Carter, who is literally as he's about to start pitching, the umpires call the game, say, hey, yeah. your delivery is illegal. 
So he has to go and pitch out of the stretch from the beginning. <clears throat> That's a kid. And, and I asked, I said, hey, he didn't throw a lot of strikes or as many strikes as you wanted last year. Was told much better. Well, you, you got a guy who had allegedly improved, improved enough to where he's getting the ball to start the season. And then right before he's going out, they've, they've had scrimmages all fall. They've had him in spring. They've had him umpired. Nobody calls him on this. Then they say, all right, you, you can't do this. You got to do that instead. For, for a guy who already is not Greg Maddox at throwing strikes, that's that's a hard starting yeah. point with all those things going against you. So I would I would sort of table your thoughts on Grayson Carter. I would also do the same on Carter Holton. Holton. I don't know what because we sat there the first Billy, I think it was you and I, wasn't it? Or was it Joey or were you with me? I can't remember who was with me on Saturday. Saturday. Saturday, that was me. Okay. Well, I, he's throwing and I'm going. Hey, Carter Holton's slider was as good as I've ever seen it, and he couldn't hit it. I don't know what happened to third inning of work, but two things happened. It felt like he went away from that for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe they just had a, wanted to work on different pitches. I don't know what it was. And and everything that could find a hole did. Now, I'm not saying they didn't hit some balls better than what he liked at times, but I felt like, okay, they will get something out of Carter Holton from what we've seen. If he ends up being a a two-inning reliever, so be it. He'd be a really good one. But he's also a kid who didn't throw a lot this spring. So that that's a thing. Those are two guys that I I just sort of hit the pause button. Let's say, let's see what it looks like in the coming weeks. The the rest of the staff, I thought one of the biggest things of the weekend, uh, the way Brennan Cyber threw. Yeah. Uh, you just get a guy that can go out and throw strikes. That's a big thing to have. And they had two of those guys that did that on on Sunday. And, and they're going to get hit at times because their stuff isn't as electric as some other guys on the staff. But I feel like Andrew Dukanich and Ethan McIlvain through great innings, they're going to be more than a – probably both of them are going to be more than a one-inning on a weekend guy. But that, that's where they are right now. They have that luxury of doing that. So I'm not at all worried about the pitching. We still haven't seen David Horn. We'll probably see him, I would guess, Tuesday or Wednesday. They got arms parked in the garage that are really good that we haven't even seen yet. So pitching, I don't know what it looks like, but it doesn't worry me. Offense, I'm, I'm kind of to be determined because I saw them got sh- get shut down in spots and look a little bit like they did at times last year when they struggled in the middle of that series, especially on Saturday. So, of course, it's a little bit of a concern. I, I'm not willing to to go all in on, on hitting the panic button on that. That's, that's how we'll wait and see. Now, the, the one thing that I am worried about, I don't know if worries the word, but I, th- I think people need to adjust their expectations on defense. And, and it starts in center field where I, and I don't think I'm overstating this replacing Enrique Bradfield in, in center at poor RJ Austin, because that's the, that's the, that's the equivalent of, being the next guy to Alabama after Nick Saban in terms of Bradfield's defense. I mean, I, I really think it's that stark. He is the best center fielder with a glove that I might have ever seen at any level, other than maybe Andrew Jones. He's he's phenomenal. So nobody is going to look great coming after him. I think Austin will be okay. That Their corners aren't great. They're not super mobile. They're not super instinctive. Now, I, I think that could change. Uh, Calvin Hewitt, you may see out there a little bit more I don't know what that's going to look like. You could see Bolger behind the plate with, you know, splitting time with Espinal some, putting somebody in left who's a little bit better. I think there are remedies there, but like all those balls that got down the line too, those were tough plays, but they've had guys in the past that could make plus plays. Right. Uh, 
and, and, and maybe they can, but they didn't. So that's the one place that I'm going, okay, the, the, the talent is there pitching wise for them to be about as good as they want to be. The, the talent might be there for them to be a good hitting team. I don't think this team has the defensive upside that the other ones have had. And then you had Vastine having a couple of misplays. I think he's better than that. But that that was probably my – if you're wanting a level of concern, I would say I don't think their defense is going to be up there with the, with the best of the Corbin bunches. But I think they'll – they always end up being okay. So, we'll see. You guys, watching Futrell pitch, you guys notice how if, if there's two outs, he gets a fly ball. He kind of immediately starts walking to the to the dugout. A lot of pitchers do that, actually. I noticed that a lot from Futrell. Uh, he did it once on the pop fly, shallow pop fly into right center, early first inning on Sunday, and it mm-hmm. was dropped. Uh, it, it actually wasn't dropped. It, it just it just it fell through. They, you know, Jaden oh. Davis, kind of the triangle of doom is what I called it there. And that that'll happen. It's opening day, but that is something to watch. You know, do they do those do more of those issues pop up? You know, is Futrell able, if he gets a fly ball towards center, walk out to the dugout immediately, or does he have to stay on the mound and make sure it's caught? Yeah. Um, you know, you just don't know because Enrique Bradfield's not there anymore. Enrique Bradfield yeah. probably catches that on Sunday. Um, so Chris, I think it's a good point you made defensively. Um, you know, I don't think it, this is DEFCON 5 panic. This defense is awful, you know, s- slow pitch softball level. But this defense is not the same, at least outfield-wise, as last year. Um, and I, I made a point to ask Corbin about Maldonado defensively at first base. I thought he was tremendous all weekend. Yeah, um, he was. You know, he, ran, he, he had a lot of range, and he kind of sprinted over the bag. He's got that speed, too. He was a shortstop. Um, so I think that's interesting with the infield. If the infield can be solid, um, like they've always been. I mean, Chris, I don't know that they've had a really bad infield ever under Corbin. Uh, but the outfield is definitely certain, certainly something to watch. Yeah, and, and from experience watching him, Tim is the one guy that will prioritize defense at the non-premium positions, uh, first base, left field. Like you, you see him giving at bats to guys on a regular basis that you're like, I don't, I don't know about that offensively. But my, my point is, if you don't defend, you're not going to play for him. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that resolves, and it might end up looking different than it does. As, as we do this three games in. So, Billy, do you just want to go ahead and grab the mailbag since we are, what? Can I go one more? Fifteen minutes before you've got to go. Yeah, you, you go for it, Joey. Sorry. Uh, I think something to know with defense as well is that there's a lot of guys playing positions that they haven't played a whole lot in the past. And I think maybe it gets better as the year goes on, but maybe it just tells you that they're a little different defensively than they have been in the past. R.J. Austin obviously played a lot of second last year, played three positions this weekend. Jaden Davis, he said he's improved. Uh, Bulger's playing left field. Maldonado's playing first. So it's a lot of guys playing a lot of positions that they didn't necessarily come here playing. So I think there's definitely an adjustment curve. I think they have the capability to be really good defensively in the outfield with Hewitt, Humphrey, and Austin out there. But I just don't know how consistently we're going to see those three in the outfield. Yeah, and you got a lot of bats. You know, there's more more bats that are fighting for – uh, ABs than we really think. Um, you know, Jaden Davis, you got to keep him in the lineup. Um, yeah. I think RJ Austin, you got to keep him in the lineup. Calvin Hewitt, if he's doing what he did on Sunday, you got to keep him in the lineup. So, as hard as it is positionally, defensively, you also got to think about keeping these some of these bats in the lineup as well. Uh, because offensively in today's day and age is, is really, you know, king. Yeah. You ready for the mailbag, Billy? Let's do it. 
While you're pulling those up, I'll remind you the mailbag presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Guest line presented by John Levin and the Maynard Nexus Government Contracts Group. Maynard Nexus advises government contractors on all aspects of their needs with a proud focus on matching legal solutions to business needs. Got their very own Chris Lee. Maybe he can play outfield. I don't know. But he can certainly help you with your contract issues. So in any case, thank you to those guys for their support of the podcast and making this possible. All right, let's start with WKU Door. Got his in early this morning. We'll go me, Joey, Chris, I guess, for the order for these so we keep it consistent. How long does Corbin keep Cunningham in a weekend rotation spot over Dukanich? Um, I think that's a good one. Like We talked about it, I think, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Cunningham is a guy that is older. Um, he's pitched more than Dukanich. Um, the production may not be there um, statistically. You know, he wasn't great last year. But Cunningham's got some stuff. Um, you know, his fastball, I think, can miss some bats. And I've heard – I was talking to somebody uh, at the Hawk, I forget who it was, but they had mentioned to me that scouts are kind of drooling over Cunningham when he's out there. He just doesn't have the, the, the kind of that finishing touch. You know, he's got a in, in control occasionally last year. So the thing with Cunningham is that he's pitched a lot, and I think Corbin usually rides with – with the older guy, um, but it won't be long before Duquesne takes over. And again, that's nothing against Cunningham. I could be wrong there. Um, I just think Duquesne's stuff is so good that it's going to be hard to, um, you know, keep him off the mound. And I honestly think Cunningham plays better as a relief guy, you know, about an inning or two. I don't know what you guys think, but I think it'll be hard to keep Duquesne off the mound and especially as a starter because he does feel like he's got the stuff to where he can go extended games, not just two innings, but. I think Dukanich is a guy potentially that could go five, six, seven innings. Yeah, I, I think Dukanich has a really high ceiling. As we've said before, he throw, he's probably going to throw four or five pitches an outing. I think his stuff probably plays better as a starter than Cunningham's does. But Cunningham, I think, probably did enough to get himself another weekend start this weekend. Gave up, what, three hits, three walks, got five strikeouts this weekend in four innings. But like you said, the velo dipped after the third inning, Chris, or was it the second inning that it dipped? I th- I don't remember. I have to check my notes, but it it was. I don't want to touch on that when you're done. Yeah, for Duquesne, it's I think it's just a matter of stacking good outings and doing it in more than one inning. Because I think we saw a little bit of inconsistency from him throughout the off season, to where one day he would look like the best pitcher on the staff, and then the other, it would look like there's a reason that Cunningham was beating him out. So if he can stack two or three good outings, I think he's got a chance to be a weekend guy moving forward. And if Cunningham pitches a little bit below the level he did this weekend, I think it could really open up for Dukanich. But for now, I think Cunningham did enough to hold that spot for a little bit. Yeah, and, and to be clear, I didn't get to see any of the, the spring scrimmages. I just saw one in the fall, and so I didn't get to see nearly as much as I do. I'm, I'm My answer is pro- to the question is probably he probably stays in there longer than you'd think. Mm-hmm. But I, I think if by the end of the year it's postseason time and – Dukanich is their best rotation option. He'll be in there. Uh, now, you, you've seen Tim play that all the way through the regular season. And a guy that's been in the rotation the whole time will get bumped maybe to the bullpen for the postseason. And a guy who's been effective in the midweek starting role gets that third spot or something like that. You know, that happened with Mason Hickman and Patrick Raby. They got flipped in 2019. So I think that's part of what they've done historically. 
I I was thinking what you were saying, Joe. Last year, Cunningham's issue was I think that in spring ball, the velo would drop off noticeably after the first inning. Looks like he's built up a little bit more stamina, but to me, unless that's rectified, that's that's a relief pitcher's pro time. Maybe a maybe the guy that throws you the the sixth and seventh innings, but again, I, he Tim Tim likes to give the guys who've been there and he feels earned the opportunity sort of a chance to to win or lose the job, and I'll, I'll bet you there's a chance that's how this plays out. Totally. All right, up next. Up next, Papa Hick for VU. What are the two biggest issues of concern as it relates to this team this season? He's got two other questions. We'll start there. My two biggest issues of concern for this team this season. Number one, power hitting. Can they hit for enough power? Because they're going to have to in the SEC. Um, I'm not saying they've got to hit you know, LSU or Tennessee or A&M level homers, but they've got to go out there and, and be better than they were last year power-wise. So number one is power to me. Uh, number two, and Chris talked about it, you know, defensively, specifically in the outfield. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about the pitching. Vanderbilt, it, I'm not going to list pitching as an issue of, of concern. Um, defensively, you know, you're going to have to field your positions in the outfield. Jack Bulger, is a guy that hasn't, you know, he didn't play a lot of left field last year. He has played left field before, and Corbin, you know, shouted him out. He said he, you know, he has played left field before in his career. He, he's athletic enough to play it. I think he's got to get more reps. He will improve. Um, he doesn't need to make the all star play. He needs to, you know, just needs to make that available play. And you got to limit the errors. Uh, Troy Leneve has played a lot of right, uh, but center field can R.J. Austin do half of what Enrique did? You know, because that took away a lot of runs, a lot of outs. Uh, so to me, number one is power hitting, and then number two is uh, just defensively, specifically in the outfield, because infield, I don't really have uh, any issues defensively. Yeah, I kind of had the same things. I I mean, I can't really say anything you didn't. To play devil's advocate on pitching a little bit, I don't think pitching is a concern for me still. I think they have enough depth and enough frontline guys to where I'm not concerned about it. The only thing I would say is there's a – Chris and I talked about it at the game on Friday – there's a couple guys who haven't proven it fully yet. Like Carter has had some good outings, but hasn't proven he can be a weekend guy consistently. Cunningham, again, the production hasn't always been there, although they really like his stuff. Dukanich hasn't been a weekend guy before. So, and Holton hasn't stayed healthy, or at least didn't stay healthy for all of last season. So, again, that's, that's my only area of concern with pitching. I think they have enough depth to overcome that, even if a lot of things go poorly. I think that's kind of the strength of that pitching staff. And they also have a lot of guys with really good stuff and even some guys who could turn out to be really, really good. But it's just, do they have guys step into roles that they previously haven't? I would say they they will have that. It's just, we got to see it first. Yeah, you, you guys nailed it pretty well. Uh, I think that the pitching, I, I don't know that they have the, well, I, I don't know. I, I think they may have some superstar arms on this squad. And they're just not in those roles yet. Uh, they will figure that out. They they will easily cover twenty seven innings, unless they're just a massive rash of, rash of injuries to the wrong guys. Uh, defense, you've heard my thoughts, and Billy, I think you're right. I think it's getting power that they need to have a dude or two in there somewhere, and and you know maybe they do, maybe they don't. Too early to tell, but uh, other other teams in this league certainly do. All right, second part of his question: What are the two biggest pluses for me? Number one is the pitching depth. I mean, we just talked about it. Um, I think there aren't many teams, even in the SEC, that you know, from 1 to 15 or 16 has the amount of talent Vanderbilt has. 
Uh, and I think it's just so obvious you have to list that as, as their plus. And then a second plus to me, we saw it Sunday, just their athleticism on the base pass. If they can get guys yeah. like RJ Austin, Vastine, Hewitt, they've got more speed than you think. Bradfield took away a lot of stolen bases, I think, um, potentially from other people because, you know, you just, I mean, I don't even think anybody else had 10. Maybe, maybe it was one guy with double digit stolen bases last year, but I think there's more quality, not quality, there's more quantity this year in terms of guys that that can, um, you know, and so I, th- I just think their athleticism on the base pass, it can be really important. You just got to find ways to get those guys on. Um, that, that's That was the issue last year at times, especially in the regional, and, um, you know, th- th- that's got to improve. So for me, pitching depth and athleticism on the base pass are, are my two biggest pluses. Pitching depth is my number one as well. Kind of to counteract what I just said, I still have faith that they're going to be a good pitching team, even though it wasn't quite to the level we thought opening weekend like Chris on Friday it's guilty with an excuse with Carter and then with Carter Holton as well for the second thing for me it's uh just experience I think this is one of Corbin's more experienced teams Chris would know that better than I but I think they have a lot of old guys who are in bigger roles and a lot of guys like Corbin seems to really trust you look at Calvin Hewitt you look at Troy Laniv who didn't have a good weekend but I think they're still relying on to be a piece for them Alan Espinall the list could keep going and even some of the younger guys like RJ Austin and Jonathan Bastine, I guess Bastine's not as young, but they're not fifth year seniors. They still have a lot of experience playing SEC baseball though. And I think that's something they can hang their hat on as a whole. You guys nailed it. I've got nothing to add. Okay. Third part here for him. Do you have an opinion for how Tim Corbin and the staff feel about NIL and the transfer rules? I don't think Tim likes it. Um he is kind of voice that he hasn't been really clear about it. he's been kind of vague but i mean you can tell tim is not a big fan of um of today's day and age but he hasn't ignored it this year every player got an nil deal so you know and i mean think about the alums they have i'm sure i was talking about this you know to somebody at the booth on, on sunday you know there's there's probably some some former vandy boys that are that are helping you know so i think they've got enough yeah. of that i don't think it's really anything to I don't think it's anything to freak out about. It's definitely something to monitor because I think teams like LSU, Tennessee are perfect examples of attacking the portal and getting those kids paid. Um, you know, they're, they're getting paid well. Can Vanderbilt do that? They did that a little bit. You got Humphrey from UMass Lowell. You know, they got other transfers, but how much are those guys making? How does that compare to LSU and Tennessee? Because that is a that, that's running college athletics right now. So how does he feel? They don't like it, but I mean, I don't. I don't think they're ignoring it. Yeah, I'm not sure that Vanderbilt's going to give guys what other schools are giving guys, but I think their brand sells itself enough to where they may be able to be okay without it. And they're doing well in high school. You see, the class they got this year seems to be a class that can make an impact from day one, and they'll have more guys continue to do so. I just think that their brand itself is going to be something that's helpful, and I think Vanderbilt will be okay whether they show out like a Tyron Lawrence level NIL push for a guy probably isn't going to happen, but I do think that they're going to be a player in NIL. I just don't know to what extent. And again, Billy, I agree. I don't know that they love it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you guys answer that pretty well. Um, I know people that are close to him that, that think Tim Corbin walks on water. Even some of those people said he was a little too slow to adapt to this era mm-hmm. in NIL and, and it's probably cost him a little bit. And who knows, maybe, maybe could for a couple more years. Now I think they're in a pretty good spot. 
from what I understand there, you know, I've said this before, the full scholarship joke that used to be there that was bogus, uh, that, that's actually reality now. I think he has underwritten everybody's tuition on the roster through that. And I think, you know, you, that's probably helped their depth right away. We've said this is not a superstar power team, but you also didn't see a lot of pieces that could help them leave either. I mean, Parker mm-hmm. Nolan left, and that's about it. He's starting second baseman at South Carolina right now, but he would have been just another the guy on this team, I think. I mean, not that he couldn't have helped them, but – Point is that they've adapted in their own way. I think they're in a decent spot. Could they be in a better spot? Maybe. Do we know where this is going to go? No, we don't. But uh, at least there was a there was a pretty significant shift in the offseason, and you're you're seeing the fruits of some of that now. And who they added in the portal and in the depth. Okay, Musa on the board. Will the change at third base coach have a significant, noticeable change on performance from the team? This is really interesting because I told you this, Chris, on Saturday. Mitch Light was with us as well. What really stood out to me about what Corbin said about that was he has a chance now to talk to guys before they step into the batter's box or the on-deck circle um, immediately before. You know, imagine that. He hasn't been able to do that, whether he call unless he calls time and kind of, you know, sets it up. But even that's in between, you know, pitches. So I think I think it might. I, I like I I really do now. Power wise, I don't know. You know, run production, I'm not quite sure. But I mean, if Tim Corbin is telling you things that he hasn't been able to tell players before, right before at bats, I think that's going to help. He's one of the best coaches ever in in college baseball. I mean, that, that's that's a pretty good tool to have. I'm not saying he's never done that. I'm sure. You know, I. I we, we've mistaken him for, for doing that before, but, I mean, Chris, he's been the third base coach since 2007-08 um, and, yeah. and finally making the switch now for Baxter's. He made a joke. He said, unless um, – what was the joke he made, Joey? He said uh, – Unless he's he doing a good job. Yeah, yeah, unless he screws something up. But, obviously, that was that was Corbin joking. But, I mean, no, guys, I think I think it could help a little bit. And I'm, I'm not even, like, joking right there. Let me let me take this one because I know we got maybe one or two more before we mm-hmm. you need to hop off. I think um, Mike Baxter's been under a lot of criticism, and and I think the extremes of it have been unfair. I, I think that their hitters have been a little better than people give them credit for. They're not awful, but they're not great either. They, 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 there's definitely something there. If you expect this is the number one type program in the country. Their hitters have not lived up to their standard. Their defense and their pitching have carried them a little bit more. I think maybe uh, Mike is one of my favorite people I've ever dealt with over there. Just a a good human being, very cerebral, represents the program well. Maybe this is a bridge to potentially take advantage of things that Mike Baxter does well and, and maybe sort of hit the areas where people are concerned with approach and, and, and those things. And, and I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. Okay. Rolling along. What would Jack Bolger from Bex four VU? What would Jack Bolger need to do on offense to keep his leadoff spot? What would be the most certain way to lose it? Well, I think if he keeps hitting leadoff home runs, he'll keep it. Um, I couldn't yeah. believe that. I mean, nothing against Bolger. He, that's just kind of rare. You know, he didn't really lead off much last year. Uh, if he can do that, it's not bad. And and listen, if Corbin puts Bolger leadoff, I'm not as a fan. I wouldn't blame blame him. I, I don't I don't get the fascination with some of some of Vanderbilt's fans of of um, you know discrediting Tim Corbin for some of these moves. 
Um, he's been doing it for 22 year, 21 years, and he's got two national titles. Um, you know, and I don't know that we've got an explanation from why Bulger plays, not necessarily plays left field, but leads off. Uh, but I mean, for him to keep it, keep doing that. I mean, if he can, if he could do that, I mean, once every, every weekend or, or so every couple weekends, that's a weapon to have. Cause you, anytime you lit off the game guys with a, with a bomb like that from Bulger, that kind of wakes up your team and the other dugout goes, uh Oh, for sure. And it wasn't just the Homer too. Bulger had a good weekend overall. He hit yeah, just a lot of contact. Weekend. Yeah. Four for four hits and 12 at bats, seven total bases, which was the third on the team, uh, a couple RBIs as well. So I, if he continues to do anything along those lines, I would guess that he's going to keep that spot. And I don't think they've had a reason to take him out of it. There's a couple other candidates that I like for that spot, but until Bulger proves that he doesn't belong there, I think it, uh, it's his spot to lose, but it is kind of funny to look at. I think we, we talked about this, either me and Billy or me and Chris this weekend. It's funny to look at their D or their leadoff guy from last year, Enrique Bradfield, like one of the best base dealers they've had. And then this year it's Jack Bolger, which is interesting. Yeah. When Tim Corbin got here, I would sit up and I, the college baseball community was not at all in tune with the, the sabermetric stuff that was starting to come and, and the, the stuff with the bunts and the things that he used to do and the playing this guy over that guy, it used to just from a sabermetric standpoint, just used to drive me batty. And I'd, I'd sit in the press box and nobody else would get it because for whatever reason, uh, th- those kind of, that kind of analytical thinking had not made its way to college baseball yet. I used to sit and see, one of the best Auburn teams I've ever said, you know, that they had ever seen come to Hawkins field loaded one to nine offensively. Josh Donaldson's in that order that they, they, they get two on with nobody out and have their three hitter drop down a bunt, which made no sense. That, that said, um, I think Tim's approach has probably changed a little bit over time. They're, they're probably more in tune with those kind of things, but I, th- I think there was still a thing in how he did stuff. That, that maybe had something there. In other words, like the bunt didn't make much difference. Uh, the bunt was not the percentage play at the major league level. Well, when third baseman in college baseball field, 9, 10, 900, maybe it's a little more effective. And they would do things to put pressure on teams that maybe transcended the numbers. Okay, here's my point. Tim has sometimes done things that don't make sense analytically, but are good for a team. In other words, if he thinks a kid is – Oh, I would say a good example, uh, works hard, wants to – is an example that he wants to hold up for the other kids on the team of, of this guy does what he's supposed to do and I want to reward that. Sometimes you will see guys get promoted over their station. And I think with Jack Bolger, it's probably that kind of a thing. But at the same time, I've seen Tim play the long game so many years with this kind of thing. That, that it works really well for what he's trying to do. May, might They might lose a game here and there because he made a decision that it didn't make sense, but in the long term, he gets the chemistry and the cohesion to where they're playing the best ball at the end of the year. Now, having said that, uh, the, the thing I hate about that kind of reasoning is you can use it to justify anything. I, I think, to me, if Jack Bolger isn't at least getting an on-base at 375 and, and maybe more like 400 in this day and age of college baseball, uh, I think you have to start questioning things a little bit. So that that is my answer of trying to balance the stats and what he's trying to do. But but I do think 
you know, if, if it's if it starts to get under that number, if he's in the three fifties or the three forties, I, I think that that's where you're at a level in college baseball that you're you have to question: Is this hurting us more than you are? So if Jack has upped his game to a different level, where that on base percentage is is up close to four hundred, I'm fine with it. The, the steals, okay, it's not going to be Brad Field, but who is? Chris, you saw right. John Donaldson playing college. You are old. I thanks for reminding me. My my kids and my wife told me this all the time. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I played at Auburn. I immediately looked up pictures. Yeah. I was like, wow, I didn't know that. Um, okay, that, that let's wrap Auburn it up. lineup was loaded. Yeah. Uh yeah. Let's wrap it up with a couple more here. Real quick, rapid fire. Number one from Dorfan. First question here. McIlvain is going to be our closer this year. Prove me wrong. I think potentially SEC tournament. Regional super, I think McIlvain could be the closer, but McIlvain I think is almost like he's not just a one inning guy. I mean, he's going to have to be more than that this year. I honestly think Sawyer Hawks, because the second part Sawyer Hawks will not be our closer this year. Prove me wrong. I don't know. It's hard to answer right now. I still think McIlvain is better. He's a better pitcher. He's got better stuff. Um, Sawyer Hawks feels like the guy where if you need him to go two, he can. If you just need him for one, he can certainly do that. Um, but McIlvain almost, Chris, to me, feels like a guy, if you're struggling, um, you know, whether it's a Saturday or a Sunday, whatever, in a regional, and you need you need a savior to go five, six innings to kind of close it out, I think McIlvain might be that kind of guy. I honestly think McIlvain could end up starting. Um, I think that's how good he is. So I don't know that McIlvain, I mean, that's a, I know that's a trendy pick for a closer. I don't know if he's uh, if he's the closer this year. He's certainly got the energy for it. I think Corbin's tried to rein that in a little bit, but I think that shows you that he is kind of built for those moments. Again, though, I think he might be better used as a starter down the stretch. It's just whether they have a spot for him as a starter and whether they want to build him up that way. I don't think they built him up that way in the preseason, if I'm remembering correctly. So I need to see a bigger sample size on Hawks before I make something there because his off-speed wasn't really working on Friday, but – I don't think that's completely out of the realm of possibilities by the end of the season. Billy, when we had this discussion about McIlvain in the press box Sunday, do you remember the name I dropped to you in response? Um, you Or maybe I just up, did this in my it, head. Was it Hickman? No. Or no. Kevin Cops at Arkansas. Oh, Cops, yeah. Well, that one too. But here's my point. I, I don't think that he is – my guess is he's not a closer in the traditional sense. Yes, it might be he comes in on the ninth to shut down a three to two game. I think he could also be the guy that comes in in the fifth in a three to yes. two game and is charged with getting through the ninth. I think you use him to get big outs and as many as he can go. My my suspicion is that that's where it could fall. Now my hesitation would be they got too many other good arms that they might not need to get there. But yeah, and, and Carson Fulmer's another good cop. That's how. Tim kind of used Carson to get some of those big outs early in early in his sophomore year and even some big spots as a freshman. So until he became a starter. All right. Last one here. Green oh, Hills oh, oh, and on the on the Hawk on the Hawks thing. I'm sorry. Um, I did ask yeah. Tim Corbin off the record after the game because he didn't have anything else working in terms of off speed. He said he's got two off speed pitches that are fine. So if you were wondering, that's that's the answer straight from the horse's mouth. Green Hills door, final one. I don't see Calvin Hewitt getting left out of the lineup. Who's out? 
that's that's literally what I was talking about. Calvin Hewitt's performance on Sunday. I know it's opening weekend. It's just one day, but that was really impressive. Stole home. Uh, I think he had another stolen base. Uh, he hit the ball decent. Calvin Hewitt's a veteran guy. He's very smart. He's a heady player. He's athletic. He's crap. He's going to be hard to keep out of the lineup. Who's out? I don't know. They're going to be rotating. It's This isn't definitive. You know, that's the thing about baseball. I got under 60 games. There's going to be some days where Hewitt's out. There's also going to be some days and maybe some stretches where Hewitt's playing every game. So I don't know. But the question of who's out is tough. I mean, if he's playing center, RJ, does he move to third? Does Davis sit? It's just it's kind of hard. If who if Hewitt plays center, where's where do you put RJ? You know, because you can't really bench RJ. Are you putting him at second for Davis? Are you putting him at third for Diaz? There's just a lot of shuffling that has to happen. Uh, so Hewitt has probably made Corbin's uh, nights a little bit more sleep- sleepless with with his decision making. Yeah, I mean, he's a veteran who I think we've thought they had something with for a few years, but he's still four bases out of their nine this weekend. And I think is capable of being a guy who takes a leap offensively. Maybe it's Lanier going to DH one day so he can play in the outfield. He's clearly, clearly a guy they trust out there with what they, how they used him last year. Maybe it's him going in for Austin and Austin going to the infield one day. It's just, I think it's going to be a rotation. It's not necessarily going to be them benching him for one guy, but it is interesting to me that Polk didn't play a whole lot this weekend. I don't think we covered that, but only one at bat this weekend and it was in the blowout on Sunday. I think what you're going to see is it's going to change. And I think the answer, if you're picking out a player more than anybody might be Alan Espinal. This is what I mean by it. I think that they would put, Hewitt in the outfield, maybe in left or right, shift Boulder, Bulger to catch to give Espinal. Because remember, Espinal called all three games this weekend. And certainly you're going to see that in the midweek where I would think Bulger will get a little time behind the plate or maybe the Saturday or Sunday game, depending on the pitcher. But I think it's going to be that. And I think he'll go – I think Tim will probably end up going with super detail to where like we, we look up one day and – I don't know, uh, Braden Holcomb or somebody that hasn't played, he hasn't started in 10 days, you look up and he's starting, and it's because afterwards you ask him, well, we like the way he hit this guy. You know, we thought he was a good matchup because they started through this kind of breaking ball or whatever. I think there's going to be a lot of really inside baseball stuff that you'll see that that will dictate the lineup. That'll be one. I think the other will be when, when they want Bulger behind the plate and when they want Espinal to get rest because I would say Hewitt will be the guy that will slide in somewhere in the outfield as a result. Yeah. That's all I got. All right, Billy, thanks for extending your your time here. Uh, I'll make this quick on the way out. Thanks to Joey. Thanks to Billy. Thanks for our sponsors. I'm Chris Lee. This has been the Vandy Sports Podcast. We'll see you again soon.